0: Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Dawn here, and I am the senior pastor of Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer. And I thank and praise God for another opportunity to come before you and to deliver a message from on high. Amen. I thank and praise God and do not take for granted that he is allowing us to go down this path as he is building The foundation and impartation is taking place. (laughs) And I thank him for it as he draws us closer to him. He wants us to know his word. Amen. I've oftentimes talked about since we started this journey that there is a lot of biblical illiteracy in the church. You know why? Because we don't take the time to read or even nowadays just listen to the word. Amen. As you all know here in this ministry as we get into Bible study, we get into the word for real, for real. We don't go based on how prophetess interprets things. We get in and we dig in together. The reason that we do that is because we want this word to be made alive in our lives. And if I'm the only one getting it, (laughs) I mean, hey, how's that going to help you? So we are taking this journey very seriously and we thank and praise God. Well, anyway, I wanted to bring another biblical uh, supplement to you all this morning. As we prepare for our day today, I am just so excited about what God is doing. I'm loving this journey, y'all. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the fellowship. And I pray that we begin to see other others come and come alongside us. And my prayer has been, God, I don't care where they come along the journey. It doesn't matter because I know you can fast track anybody and everybody to where we need to be. It's just when we get on the journey, let us lock in. And let us all make it to the finish line together. That is my prayer. That is my plea. And I won't take it back. Amen. We are trusting God for miracles, signs, and wonders, and great things through this ministry. And I'm so honored uh, for for the assignment, for the assignment that has been given to us. God has pressed upon us His burden for this family, His burden for this community, His burden for the area in which we are in, and it is such a privilege to be used by God as a vessel, an extension of His love in the earth. Amen. So so we're going to get this done. We're going to get this done. The other day, I was thinking about uh, our responsibility as Christians to deliver the gospel, to deliver the gospel. We we all know, and maybe some of us don't. I'm, I'm not going to make any assumptions anymore. And listen, just because our come from state or where we are now is not all the same. We all didn't come from the same background. We all didn't come from the same uh, point of understanding. But as God begins to impart in us, we are all getting to the same level of understanding, if that makes sense. So I'm not going to make any assumptions. I'm not going to make any assumptions, uh, that people are familiar with the scriptures or familiar with the word. And, and to be honest, some of us who've been hearing these scriptures, uh, you know, year after year, we've had such a fragmented account of the word because we haven't taken a holistic view of it we do even understand what we're reading anyway. So, anyway, I don't know why I'm going there. But anyway, <laughs> I, I wanted to start out. I've been thinking, I've been thinking, thinking, thinking. We get in trouble when prophetess think. but I've been thinking about the word of God and the commission that has been placed upon us by Jesus Christ. In Matthew 28 uh, 19 through 20, it says, Go ye therefore and make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you all that I have commanded you now when you think about that uh, instruction that God had given although he gave it to his disciples it is something that we live by a mantra by which we know that God has ordained us as we are here in the earth to do the same not just as a pastor as a preacher as a minister But as a saint of God, he said, go ye therefore and make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so when we think about it, we, uh, in order to teach something, in order to teach something, you must first know it yourself. (laughs) How am I going to teach you how to be a disciple if I don't know how to be a disciple? Right. And as I just alluded to, we go to church on Sundays. We, you know, we live out this Christian social life and and, and we think we know, but we really don't know. We really don't know. One of the things that that used to um just plague my mind before God put me on this path to pastoring, I used to always say, Well, God, what what is the gospel? What is the good news? What is it? You know, because in Romans 10 and 14, uh, it, it says, but how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? Amen. So, so I've always wondered like, God, what is this gospel? So sitting under ministries and preachers and pastors, I understand that it's the good news, but what is what exactly, what's the tangibles? What, what is the, um, the reality of the gospel? And I'm one person, I'm, 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 I'm just practical. I'm just practical. I'm not going to, pretend that something is what it is if it's if it's really not you know sometimes we sit up in a church I know I shared my testimony early in my walk I used to see folks speaking in tongues and I see them falling out slain in the spirit and and I never had that experience and I promised God I said I'm not gonna fake it (laughs) I'm not gonna fake it but if this thing is real if this thing is real show it to me show me let me experience it for myself. And I'm telling you, as soon as I surrendered my own understanding and I released to God, God said, uh-huh, I got you. I got you. And I had an experience like none other. But that has carried with me. is just my personality. I'm not going to fake the funk. And if it's something I don't understand, I just don't understand it. I try to figure it out. But one of the things that I didn't get, I would always hear about the gospel and the good news. And, and we would say, okay, we, well, the gospel is uh, Matthew, Luke, and John, you know, and and um, and we need to, to preach the word that God had, had given. And I still couldn't put it in a tangible. I still couldn't put it in a tangible. Okay, so what am I, what am I supposed to say? Okay, well, you know, salvation is brought for you, and Jesus died, and he he rose again, and you know, so forth, and, and, and you know, but that didn't seem substantive for me. As I was going through my journey. And so as I continued in ministry, as I continued to to minister to others, I focused more on the love of God that He showed through me. Let them experience God loves love through how I embrace you, how I love you. And and let me uh, share my testimony and 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 the the path for salvation, right? Right. But as I began to delve deeper into my ministry and my walk, I said, God, help me to teach others the basics of your gospel, the basics of your good news. And and that's primarily what has put us on this path of this journey, right? As we begin to plant uh, the ministry, God admonished us to start the journey of the chronological review of the Bible. And we've been doing it for a couple of months now and I'm telling you God has just been doing some oof some great great things and we've been having some really good um, experiences with with learning God's word and learning who he is, his identity through his word. It has been such a a a supernatural (laughs) experience for us. And I'm not one with a lot of words or high vocabulary, so y'all just got to deal with it. Uh, I may be a little simple in my terms, but anyway, I wanted to just go over this with you all today because it was just on my heart. It was on my heart to do Uh, Why are we doing the things that we are doing? Why are we seeking to draw others into the kingdom of God? What is the purpose of all that we do? What is the purpose? What is the purpose? Uh, Why are we going through this chronological review to understand God and his identity, right? Why are we doing these things? And so I wanted to go over a few things before I get into the supplement for today, which, by the way, I'm just going to do a brief supplement on uh, Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah and just talk about that as I can get to it. I pray that I do, (laughs) but y'all know how I do. But anyway, I wanted to help others to understand as we go through this journey, why we're doing what we're doing. What is the statement that we're making to the world? What is the proclamation of the good news, the gospel? that we're making to the world. We want them to know and understand first and foremost. This is the first essential piece that we want them to know and understand. We want them to know and understand that God created us. He created us to be with him. He created us to be with him and to be with him in complete fellowship in complete fellowship with him. That's why he created man. So that's the first component of the good news. If you know that, if if you continue with us as we started in creation and we understood that God created man, he created man to be with him and to be in complete fellowship with him. But what happened? Sin entered in it entered in the world through disobedience through Adam and Eve y'all remember that so this is the this is the essential piece of the good news of the gospel that God wants us when he said i want you to go out he said i want you to go Therefore, and make disciples teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. Well, you got to tell them the beginning of the story. You got to tell them the pillar, the the main uh, uh, thing that, that started this thing to begin with. You have to help them to know and understand that our sins now separate us from God. I, it is our sins, the iniquity that causes us to sin, to disobey God, it separates us from God. Because our God is just. He is a just God. He is a he is a righteous God. And because of that, he must punish us for our sins, or better stated, our crimes against him. So we're thinking, well, what is the gospel? What is the purpose? What are we trying to tell people? What are we saying when we say that we are Christians, that we are proclaiming the gospel, that we are teaching disciples, that we are living out the commands of God? We got to start with the beginning. We got to start with the beginning, that God created us to be with him and created us to be with him in complete fellowship, but it was because of sin. Because of sin that uh, caused us to be separated from God. And in this very hour, it is still our sin that separates us from God. That because God is a just God, God must be, punish us for the sins that we do. For the wages of sin is death. And that doing good is not enough. It's not enough to just do good to get rid of our sin. And when we preach the gospel or we teach the gospel, we have to help people to know and understand that there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to make us right with God. Nothing, absolutely nothing, no work, no nothing that we can do that can make us good with God. And having that belief is bad in itself. (laughs) We got to level set that. And help people to know that it ain't nothing you can do. And we get into the good news. We get into the good news. Because it started out good. God created man to be with him and to be in complete fellowship. That was good. That was the good news. That's the beginning of the good news. But because of sin, sin entered in. And it entered in through disobedience, through through, through uh, uh, iniquity and sin through Adam and Eve, and it separated us from God, then it became not so good news, it was bad news. It was bad news. Listen, God makes this thing simple. He makes it so simple. And helping us to understand that there is nothing that we can do, nothing that Dawn can do, nothing that you can do to get rid of your sin. There is absolutely nothing, I mean nothing, (laughs) but here's where the good news comes in here's where the good news comes in that Jesus did everything necessary everything needed to get rid of our sins and to bring us back into fellowship with God my God he suffered the wrath the very wrath of God on the cross our sins were placed upon him and his blood that was shed on our behalf is ultimately was satisfied the wrath of God this is the good news this is what we proclaim this is why we do what we do this is why we get to know God because we want to get back to that place and that space of fellowship with him what he initially intended but it don't stop there He not only took the wrath and and the punishment on our behalf, but on top of that, he rose up again to live again. He triumphed over sin and death. And he made it possible for us to have an abundant life. When somebody asks you, what is the good news? What is the good news? I want you to go beyond what we're learning in, 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 in these studies as we continue our path to the chronological Uh, uh, review of the Bible and getting to know the identity of God I want you to be able to be strong in your faith and your understanding and, and, and knowing what the gospel is the bottom line of the good news the gospel is that everybody who puts their trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone shall be saved that they shall be saved, that our lives with God cannot be earned by being a good person or doing good things, but it can only be earned by accepting Christ's finished work on the cross. <laughs> That's the good news. That's the good news. If you ain't preaching and and, and teaching and, and sharing this as a part of the gospel, you ain't teaching the gospel. You ain't teaching the gospel. You're teaching your only under, I mean your own understanding, your own motives. He said, Go ye therefore and make disciples. He wants us to teach his word, teach his gospels. He wants us to teach them to do all that I have commanded them. What is the gospel? What is the good news? The gospel is. That we are sanctified by Christ. That his death, burial, and resurrection caused us to have eternal life and salvation. That there is hope. There is hope in a dying world. And hope in a hope in a broken family. Hope in all of the trials and tribulations that we go through. That we shall have eternal life because of the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. <laughs> I'm telling you somebody should feel good today to know that as wretched as we are, as raggedy as we are, as much as we try and attempt to be perfect, God said not not one deed that you do will put you in good standing with the Father. But I came that you might have life and that more abundant. That's what we need to be teaching. That's what we need to be living. That's what we need to be demonstrating. Not only did he tell us to make disciples and to preach his gospel and to teach his gospel, he showed us how to live when he walked the face of the earth. He showed us how to pursue the path of peace, how to walk in love, how to love our our neighbors as we love ourselves, how to even love our enemies when they do us wrong. God said, I come. That you might have life and that more abundant. He wants us to live the abundant life that he has prepared for us. That abundant life that says that we can live and walk in peace and joy and happiness. And we can live our latter days according to his purpose and his plan. That is the good news. That is the gospel. (laughs) And now that I've gotten that out of my system. Let's get into the word. We've been learning over the last few weeks as we continue to endeavor in our journey. Um, Ooh, I feel good. I feel good. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Hey, Glory. Ooh, such a mighty God, such an awesome God. Oh, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, hallelujah. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you, Jesus, for your good news. My God, my God. What a mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Come on now, come on. <laughs> oh, he's worthy, hallelujah, he's worthy. Hallelujah, glory, 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 Jesus. We thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, such a mighty God, such an awesome God. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, 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 just the very thought, just the very thought that you laid your life down. <laughs> oh, Jesus, that I may have life ah, and that more abundant. I thank you for eternal life. I thank you, Jesus, ah, that we can depend on you. Oh, God, we thank you. Thank you, glory, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can get through this. I'm going to see if I can get through this supplement, but we were we have been going through this journey of learning, and, and we're doing this chronological review of the Bible. We started out in the book of Genesis. We're actually still in the book of Genesis, meaning the beginning. It is the beginning. It's the first book of the, Patri- the, the Pentateuch. Pen- Penetri- I always say that name wrong, but anyway, it is the first book, and we're still in it. And we started out learning about the creation. We learned about creation where God created the heavens and the earth and everything that dwell within. And we remember on the sixth day, he created man and and then he took out a man's rib and created the woman. And that's what we had, Adam and Eve. And after Adam and Eve came. Uh, we we experienced the fall of man, and when the fall happened, God gave judgment. You know, the serpent came, he came, and it was Satan, uh, Lucifer, who came in the disguise of a serpent uh, and, and came, and, and sin entered in through our iniquities, and we made some poor cho- choices and, and ate of the tree that God set down, and then we learned about, uh, you know, the redemption and how God... Uh, sacrifice, the blood sacrifice that God had given uh, to cover the sins of of Adam and Eve and and God's judgment that was placed upon them. And and even we learned about God's mercy, even through his just uh, uh, judgment and his sovereignty, but he still had mercy and compassion towards them. And he made a promise, a promise of redemption, even at the beginning of time. He said, he, he told the enemy, he said that the seed of the woman will destroy you, will destroy you. It's going to stamp on your head. You might bruise their feet, but it's going to stamp on your head and, and destroy you. And he was even then talking about the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we learned about that. And then we learned about Cain and Abel and how, you know, Cain killed his brother because he got envious of his brother's uh, obedience to God, right? Adam and Eve learned their lesson. They said, well, let me teach our children. We're going to teach our children. And they taught them what was acceptable in coming into the presence of God. And there had to be a blood sacrifice. And and Cain said, well, look, I'm, I'm not good at all that blood stuff. I'm not a cattle man. I'm you know, I'm an agricultural uh, person and so I'ma bring you the best of what I got. You, you know, just take it. <laughs> God said, Uh, oh, not not so. And so he got upset with his brother because his brother brought a blood sacrifice, and guess what he did? He killed his brother. He killed his brother, he didn't have the nerve to get mad at God and say, Am I when God said, Where's your brother? He said, Am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> and then when the judgment was placed against him, and, and, and when his brother's blood cried out from the ground, and God knew what had, had happened and his, and judgment came upon him, and God sent him to the east. We, we started seeing that pattern. First God sent Adam and Eve to the east. Then we saw that he sent um, uh, Cain to the east. Can't okay, say, well, wait a minute, God. If you send me there, people know what I did to my brother. They're going to kill me. God said, uh, if they touch you, I'm going to get them. <laughs> they better not mess with you. If they touch you, what they do to you, I'm going to return it to them sevenfold. So let them come on with it. What an awesome God we serve. Mm. So anyway, we started seeing the pattern of the East. When I, when I read these scriptures, I say, well, no wonder I was born on the west side of Detroit, not the east side. But anyway, that's just the rivalry we grew up with. (laughs) But nonetheless, he sent them to the east. And we started to see that pattern. And then after that, we learned about the flood and and Noah and his righteousness and how being a man that God considered to be righteous, he actually, um, his family was saved as a result. And they were saved from the flood. And we learned about uh, how you know he 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 did a little indulging himself, you know drinking and 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 uh, you know anger issues. He got mad at his son for for uh, looking upon him and and we believe that it was inappropriate for him to do it. But sometimes I wonder now why are you gonna put a curse on him <laughs> because you got drunk. You you should have been getting drunk. But anyway, you know we learned about that and and even, uh, uh, well, I can't get into that, Uh, but the mark, the mark that God put on Cain, the mark that God put on Cain, a lot of evangelicals and and, and nationalists here in our United States of America believe that that mark that was put on him was the the origin of the uh, African-American culture or the African um, uh, race being born I don't believe that crap but anyway that's what they believe and that's what that's what they built all of their superiority on and I said I wasn't going to go there so I'm going to leave it right there but we got to talk about it we're going to have to talk about it but I, I brought that up because I was, I was reminded of the curse that uh, Noah put on his son and they said well that curse and he said well, that you will you will serve your brother and so they said that curse that was put upon him uh, was actually the origin of the black race, right? That, that That's what makes them superior to the blacks because of that curse. And, you know, that's a lie. But anyway, I thought I'd mention it because that's what they believe. And that's demonic. Let me be very clear. All of these demons, we keep saying, oh, they use the Bible. They use the word of God to convert uh, uh, people into their Christianity. No, they used a lie. And that's where Bible literacy comes into play. Our people perish because of their lack of knowledge. We don't don't get in there, you know, and read the Bible for ourselves. And, of course, at some point, they didn't want us, us meaning black folk like me, to be able to read the word because... What they were promoting as God's word was a lie. It was a manipulation of the word of God. And, and nowhere in the Bible did you find those principles that they were proclaiming. Amen. All right. So anyway, we learned about Noah and his sons and his his family and how they were saved. And, and we even went on a, a family trip. Uh, out here in Kentucky, and we went to see Noah's Ark, and it was such a beautiful, beautiful place. I want to go back because I didn't make it up to the third floor, and I hear that that's where all the history uh, is. So we're gonna go back to that. So we learned about Noah, and then we learned about uh, Abraham. Abraham, uh, at the time Abram, Abram and Sarai and and their relationship and walk with God. We learned that. Uh, You know, God told Abram, He said, Look, come from your father's land, come up out of there because they were idol worshipers and they worshiped other gods. And God said, Come on up out of there and I want you to leave your kinfolk. I want you to leave your father's land and leave your kinfolk. And and, uh, Abraham went on the journey, but he took his, his nephew Lot with him. And so, as we were learning about Abram and Sarai, we learned about Job and his walk and, and, um, you know, how he had suffered some great loss. And all of those around him turned on him, talked about him, knew exactly why he was going through what he was going through. Because all they little gossip and and theology and philosophies that they tried to put on him. And God said, well, wait a minute. Hold on. (laughs) Y'all lying on me now. (laughs) So, back up that ain't got nothing to do with me that ain't got nothing to do with him and as a matter of fact if you knew you would be getting in line to have the same experience because if you knew what I knew and if you knew how I felt about Job for he is a friend of mine and not only is he a friend I trust him I trust him I trust him enough that he can go through this trial and I know that he is a great representative of who I am, and he won't turn his back on me. That's why he went through what he went through. Boy, I tell you, I can relate to Joe. I can relate to Joe. I, I, it's, it's. It, <laughs> see, I talk too much. But a lot of times it annoys me. This is why I'm very careful about who I let in. God has given me that wisdom. You can't let everybody in. Everybody can't be in your inner circle. You got what you call household enemies. And I don't mean household like those who live at my house, but those who you allow in close proximity. There are things that I've had some vulnerabilities in my life, things that I've talked to people that I would never disclose my personal business to other people, but they go and they talk and run their mouth. <laughs> Sometimes you hear it through the, through the grapevine they given the enemy ammunition against you. Hurtful things, hurtful things that you would never have disclosed to people, but you shared it with them. And they go and talk to folk. I had to tell somebody, look, people don't love me like they love you. Stop telling my business. Stop sharing and disclosing because I know the difference. I know when somebody come and bring me back stuff that I know I ain't never talked to you about. <laughs> because I don't trust you. I never would tell you about a challenge that I'm going through with my with my grandchild or, or you know, situations in my household. I never would tell you that. So for you to have an opinion, that means y'all been talking. That's the kind of wisdom that God has given me, and that's why I say, oh, I could deal with you on this level, but got to back up gotta back up because you are unsafe you are not a good steward over the relationship that God has given us because what you have done to me and what you continue to do to me I never would do to you God said oh, I don't love you no less <laughs> we, we still cool but you can't get that access anymore but anyway that ain't what we learned but that's what I learned and hopefully it's a nugget for everybody use wisdom use godly wisdom I'm I'm telling you listen when God has called you to great purpose, you have to be careful who you allow in your inner circle, who you allow within close proximity, because the enemy is not, he's not fair in the way that he fights and he wants to destroy you. And anybody who is out of control is out of control. And if the Holy Spirit is not controlling your actions and your behavior, it, listen, here's the key. Here's the key. If you are talking and gossiping people's business that they did not tell, because ain't nobody stupid. You know the difference. You know the difference between how people feel about people. This is the thing to get me about. (laughs) You, You done set up in conversations where they done dogged and dragged this person all the way down, but yet you get some juicy information and you can't wait to go tell it. You can't wait to go spill it. What I say is gain a a true personality and a true um, uh, relationship with that individual that y'all start talking about something other than people. Stop running people business. But anyway, back to my point, you know the difference. And if you sitting up talking other people business to people that you know do not have their best interests at heart and the Holy Spirit is not convicting you during that period, you out of control. You are dangerous. You're more dangerous than a direct fiery dart from the enemy. Because you are you are a double agent. You're a double agent that the enemy is using. I don't know why I'm going down this path. But we got to be real. We got to be real. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth quiet. If God... I, do you know how many things I know? Do you know how many things God has disclosed to me? Some stuff through... Just God showing me through the prophetic gift. Other things because people confide in me. I never, ever, ever, you'll think I don't know. (laughs) Folks tell me stuff. You'll think I don't know. Because it's not my story to tell. And you are so dangerous. You are so dangerous. You are causing the mental instability of people to the point that people can leave this earth because of your actions. Do not be deceived. You will pay. You will. You will make uh, uh, recompense for your actions. I'm telling you, God is watching our every move and every word, every uh, deed will come subject to His judgment. I'm telling you the truth. But the enemy will have you deceived. Oh, well, they took their life, I had nothing to do with it. Yes, you did. You are mean and conniving and and evil towards them when God put them on your path. And you sat there and under the guise of I'm a a Christian, I'm a man or woman of God. And you destroyed these people when they were coming to you for for shelter and refuge and help. But I'm going to leave that alone because we're talking about what we learned so I can get to the lesson for today. (laughs) The supplement. But y'all, just stop for real. Seriously, stop, because you are you are passing down generations of, of, of mess, destroying families, destroying, you know, the foundation of families. Keep your mouth off of people. Keep your mouth off of people. All right, what was I saying? So yeah, yeah, that that got me fired up thinking about Job because I've I've had that Job experience. You know, people thinking they know why God got you in a position and why you're going through what you're going through. And in God's heart and in his mind, it's because I trust you. God, why am I going through this? Why not? Because I trust you. But the people on the outside looking in, oh, well, hey, have you repented yet? Have you stopped doing these things yet? Because uh, there ain't no way my God is going to let you go through that. And you ain't did nothing. Well, you're right. Your God might not, but your God may be a, a idol God or a, a demon. <laughs> I'm so messy. All right. So anyway, so we learned about Job. And then we learned a little bit more about Abram and, and Sarai and their journey and the things that they did after he actually left his father's house and separated from his father and and went on and, and, and brought uh, with him his nephew Lot. We learned about how they were going through their quarreling choral, and and all of this stuff. And so that brings me to my supplement for uh, this week. Just a recant, some of the things that we learned uh, uh, in this week's study. And I need to get out the scripture reading so you guys can continue to follow us. And remember... The weekly readings are, uh, they, they, they're going beyond where we are in the text, in the, in the workbook for the Bible study, but that's okay, because it's better that you know the context around everything, but we're going to take our time, but we still are going to uh, try to get through these uh, weekly readings, and if you haven't been following us every week, look, go back. You got time. You got time. All right, so so what we learned was that after Lot uh, left his uncle Abram, that God uh, spoke to Abram and repeated his promise. Remember the promise that he made to him that he will give him the land of Canaan. We learned that in, in I think, around chapter 13 uh, towards the latter half uh, of of the scriptures. Uh, And God made it clear. He made it clear to Abram abram see that's the thing a lot of times we don't obey what god say the first time he said come from amongst the land of your father and your kinfolk and He like okay well i'm gonna come from amongst the land uh and my kin i mean and and but i'm gonna take one of my kinfolk and you wonder why they started fighting and arguing uh their people because you weren't listening to what god said uh, to begin. But anyway, he God made it clear to Abram that Lot would not inherit the promised land because it wasn't for Lot. It wasn't for him. Uh, but God promised that he would give the land to Abram's descendants. He would give the land to Abram's descendants and that these descendants would make a great nation and that they will be uncountable remember God said they'll be uncountable and if you think about it I don't know how many billions of people have populated the earth since that time we are all descendants of Abraham we are all direct descendants of Abraham so um, we learned the years earlier that God told Abram uh, that exactly what to do. He and 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 remember Abram, I and and this is the part of the scriptures that I don't fully understand because I think I think there was somewhere that I read that at this point they were probably 10, 11, maybe even 12 generations deep. I think maybe Lot's generation may may have been 11, so Abram's may have been 10 from Uh, Noah, from Noah. And then Noah, we all know, he was about, what, four or five generations from from Adam. So you add, you know, another 15, so about 15 generations uh, from Adam and Eve. So if Adam and Eve learned their lesson and they passed down the tradition and knowledge of God to their descendants and their descendants, 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 then Noah did it. And then Noah passed it down and you know and, and whatever. And here you get to Abram. So somehow, some way he knew who God was. He knew who God was, but it, it it makes me wonder in all of that chaos because the Bible talks about his father's land. Um uh, I mean the people of his father's land having Uh, idols and worshiping other gods, it just makes me wonder, where was the origin uh, of Abraham's uh, relationship or faith in God? You know, that he watched, you know, like some of us, we see stuff going around uh, in the homes that we're raised in, and we just watch it and shake our head like, man, if only you knew. or if he was colluding with them and and worshiping those other gods. But anyway, but we know for a fact, the things that we know, I think around Genesis 12, uh, that Abram was told to come and leave his country and his kindred. And he did part of what God said. He left the country, (laughs) but he took Lot with him. And finally, when he left Lot... When he left Lot and he started walking in obedience to God's instructions, something happened. Something happened. God released the promise. God released the promise. He he repeated the promise and he released it to him. He said, let me remind you, (laughs) I got a promise stored up for you, you know, and it's waiting on you. It's waiting on you to walk in obedience. We, We think a lot of times that we waiting on God. We waiting on God to show up for us. And he said, wait a minute, I'm waiting on you to do what I told you to do in the beginning. Boy, can I relate. I'm telling you, God, God gave me specific instructions regarding this church and what we were supposed to do. And I tried to get all around it because I get so focused on well God you said do this but they ain't, they ain't doing right they ain't living right now you told me to go to this one and they ain't responding or reacting the right way and then I, t- I turned away from it God said well what did I tell you to do just walk in obedience but even in our uh, steering away <laughs> from what God tells us to do He's still merciful. He's still merciful. Because he came back again. He came back again to Abram. And he told him again. He told him again. He said look. I made you this promise. I'm going to repeat the promise that I made to you. Now that you walk in an obedience to what I've told you to do. But then after that. I think the Bible said he was about 75 years old when he told him to leave his, his, his country and his Kim, Kim, kinsmen. Kinsmen. <laughs> but it was about the time he was about 85 years old that God came back and he told him, he said not only am I going to make your descendants a great nation, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a son to inherit all of this. To inherit all of this land. I, I'm, I'm going to give them to you. But guess what? Through him. They're going to be great nations. You're not even going to be a, able to count them. He said look up there in the sky. The stars. You see that? It's going to be far beyond that. And it's funny because at that very moment. The Bible tells us that Abram believed God. He believed God. And this is an important fact. Because. Sometimes we believe God for the things that he promises us, but we don't trust and have faith in his timing. And so we learned that he told him at at about 85, and it probably was around 100, when he had the seed. And in between that time, we all know what happened. He did it his way. And then by the time he had his son he, he walking around with with a 14 year old child 15 that his wife don't even want problems between his wife and baby mama I tell me y'all they black folk <laughs> living in the same community she like she got to go bye All because he believed God, but he didn't trust or have faith in God's timing. But the funny thing is, it was Abram's faith in God having experienced all that he experienced, knowing all that he knew about his father's land and and those people worshiping other idols. But God counted him as righteous because of his faith. because of his faith and the thing that kind of boggled me (coughs) was that we knew he was we knew he was a sinful man because he was a liar he just kept lying about stuff we learned that in the bible but because of his sacrifices he knew how to make it right with god and his sins were forgiven His sins were forgiven because of how he came to God, how he sacrificed. And God accepted him as a man of righteousness without any sin. He gave him the righteousness that he by himself couldn't achieve. And through the life of Abram, we saw the first and I and I want to say how do I say this? Because even as I was about to say the first, we see how redemption was actually played out with Adam and Eve. But it just seems like in Abram's covenant relationship with God, it just it just really draws out the redemption of, of the future of what Christ. Is going to bring forth. Just how he related to God. The other thing that we learned. In the relationship that Abraham had with God. Is that God spoke to him. God showed him things. God told him of the future. And all of these things. Occurred occurred before. Before. Remember that transformation. Where God. Came to Abram and they and he said, "Look, I'm gonna change your name. I'm gonna change your name. I'm I'm going to the promise that I made to you back when you were 75 years old. And 75 seems old, and I keep trying to reconcile in my mind in the modern day time those dates because I believe there's something to the um. Uh, you know, in the beginning when God was creating the heavens and the earth, I don't know it, but I just have a I have a feeling that the days were not necessarily like a twenty-four hour day. The days were more or less like a um you know, days are like unto a thousand years to the Lord. So something like that. That's that's how I see days during that time. But I could be long wrong. I'm not a theologian. Okay, so don't don't beat me up over that. But when it comes to the life of the people when God references their lives and and how they live I believe days are the same as the days we experience them today like 24 hours in a day the difference is like where we fell in the calendar because our calendar times are different but that leads me to believe that the 85 years, the 75 years, you know those, those were very close to what we're experiencing at 75, 80, you know, 90, 100 years. It may be cut off by 20 years. Maybe, you know, 75 was 55, you know, just because we expanded our uh, calendars. But anyway, I'm not smart enough to get into that, but I believe it was close to that time. So I know enough to know that he was later in his years in life. When God came to him again and he said, I'm going to change your name from Abram. And Abram, which meant exalted father. Remember, he was considered to be righteous by God. He said, I'm going to change that name from exalted father to Abraham, father of a multitude. And then he said, I'm not just going to stop there because you are in covenant relationship with your wife. And you both are in covenant relationship with me. So I'm going to change her name from Sarah, meaning the princess, to Sarah, meaning the mother of nations. And then God promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a son. And so even though uh, Abraham was, the Bible records it as 99 and Sarah was 89. They were 10 years apart, almost like me and my husband. <laughs> they figured to them, they like, okay, well, this can't happen. This is not possible. But they believe they have faith. They believe that God would do it. But what they failed to realize is that God is the creator and giver of all life. And he has all power to do anything, anywhere, all the time. (laughs) And So when he made the promise to them and they looking like, well, uh, look at my age. God said, that ain't nothing but a thing. Age ain't nothing but a number. And we're going to learn. We haven't gotten there yet. But we're going to learn about that promise being fulfilled. But during that time, uh, when Abram and Sarai were in the in in their nomad wilderness stage, and they were traveling, they had settled. And remember, we learned about how uh, Lot and Abram they settled in this land. And in the land, they were like, "Ooh," Abram said, "Look." Uh, Sarah, you so pretty, and you you pretty enough that if these men find out that you my wife, they are gonna try to kill me. But on the flip side of that, if if you if you tell them you ain't my wife, we might get some favor with them, and and they may give us some goods and materials, some things of value. And sure enough. Abram was a, he was an intelligent man. He was a hustler, H-U-S-T-L-E-I, hustler. And so he was smart enough to know that he was, he would be extended favor. And so he and Lot were extended favor and they were given cattle and they, they took that cattle and they took that livestock and they, they groomed it. They, they, they matured it. They grew it and they grew it so much so that they, um, Became extremely wealthy, and so not only did they become wealthy, they had an abundance of livestock. And so, in that abundance, it created uh, tension amongst the two camps, <laughs> because if you think about livestock, they got to graze somewhere, and and it just they had so much, so much abundance, it wasn't enough land for both sides to be able to equally and equitably uh support you know their 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 livestock so they began to quarrel and fight and all of that mess and and of course you know because lot was very loyal to his uncle and he loved his uncle and we learned that he uh, That they decided that they needed to part ways, and and when they decided that they needed to part ways, we learned that um, Abram gave Lot the first choice of where he wanted to go, and we were we were pondering in our minds as we were going through Bible study, like why would Abram do that? <laughs> and, and we started coming up with some ideas as to why. One, you know, because he was selfless and he he loved his nephew. The other, I feel that he wanted to empower him to feel, you know, hey, I, I I got you. You you decide where you want to go. And not only that, we learned you know, as we continued with our Bible study that Abram knew he he trusted God. When God said, I'm gonna give you this land, the promise that God made him about the land, he said, I believe that. He believed them. Now, when he told him about the sun, he said, well, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of old. Now, I believe you, God, but uh, <laughs> not necessarily trust your timing. But he believed God about the land, so he told Lot, he said, choose what you want first. And we learned that, that Lot went based on what he could see. He said, oh, that looked good over there. So we're going to go over there. And, and even though it's evil, it makes me wonder if Lot was more consumed about consumed from the culture and the lifestyle that they came from, that he was more susceptible to that lifestyle, that he was drawn more to that. And sometimes we are, sometimes from where we come from, we just can't shake it off. We just always drawn to that and he was drawn towards evil. And this is where we see the pattern as well We're going to the east. He went to the east. He said, I I see something over there. I see something you don't see. And the color is (laughs) probably red bull. But he went over there and he said, look, we're going to settle over here, make a life for ourselves. And he got so attached to that. And so God has seen so many wicked things in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he was ready. He was ready to destroy them. And here's a key thing that, that we learned. We learned that there were five nations. Five. They, they called them cities. So I, I got to be clear. And I get confused sometimes because I'll say nations. I mean cities. Kingdoms. I mean you know, but it just depends on the era. But there were five cities who had kings. So I would I would say that they were kingdoms. And so they got to fighting. And so we learned some of them were, you know, they, they were a little tough. And other ones, they ran for the hills. But for Sodom and Gomorrah, they were overtaken. And so what we learned was that as Lot was caught up in this battle, and the king that conquered um, Sodom and Gomorrah, they had taken Lot and his family as plunder. They took them. With everything, all of the games, they done won the battle. They done won the war. So they like, up oh, we taking you and everything else. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. OK, it looks like I was disconnected. I'm just going and going and teaching and, and trying to get through these points. And I looked up and realized that I had stopped recording. So I'm going to try to pick back up. I believe the piece uh, that I was ending at, and I'm not exactly sure. I went back to listen, but I didn't listen to the entire podcast. So forgive me in advance if I've already covered this, but prayerfully it'll give you more explanation, more explanation as, as we learn about the story of Lot. But anyway... Uh what I what I wanted to talk about was uh the period of time where we had the uh five kingdoms. It was the five kingdoms, the five the Bible refers to them as cities and and they were from Sidim, Sidim, Siddim, Siddhem, S-I-D-D-I-M. Uh, I think when we were going through our Bible study as Mary was reading, I thought that she meant Sodom, but it was actually Sidom. They were from Sidom, and it was these five kingdoms, and they got to fighting. And um, they uh, had a battle. They had a battle, and and Lot got caught up in it. (laughs) He got caught up in it, and um, they captured Lot as a part of their reward as a part of the spoils. And so, um, Abraham had, had learned about this and Abram at the time, he had learned about it because one of the fugitives found him and told him, Hey, they, they got your, your nephew, they got your boy lot. And, um, you know, took his family and all of his possessions and all of that. So Abram, Got about three hundred of his men three hundred and I, I think it was a little over over three hundred of his men and and they went for his nephew and and I was making the point that I can see because Abram and his wife did not have children and and lot was with them he he may have considered him like a son so you know when they came against his son or his nephew. He had to go and handle that, and he went and he handled it, and actually what wound up happening was he conquered them, and so he got uh, Lot out and his family out and all of their possessions, and so the Bible says that he restored to him all of his possessions and put them at the gate. He said, all right, now, uh, Lot, you go on and and stay on on your side. I I don't conquered this for you, you know, and made it so you and your family have everything that you went in with. Uh, And so there were two kings and initially, originally, and it's funny how I never read this scripture this way uh, until we started along this journey for this study. But the two kings from uh, Salem and Sodom, Salem and Sodom, the two kings were, uh, I believe, Bera, was the king of Sodom. Uh, and, and, and the Bible says that the king of Sodom uh, ran <laughs> during the war, you know. So anyway, we know he wasn't all that tough. I don't see much about Mechizedek, who was the king of Salem, uh, about how he responded to the fight. Uh, but it, it kind of put the king of Sodom in, in a, uh, you know, a weird light. Like he wasn't all that tough. But anyway, um, after this had happened, uh Abram had given a tenth of his plunder to Machezed, who was considered uh the high priest, the high priest. And and during this time, and, and it's amazing how, like I said, just getting into the word for yourself, but during this time, uh the high priest. Uh, was not emphasized as much as you'll see the emphasis when we start getting into the story of David. Uh, they had a very prominent place and space um, uh, in in the Bible. But anyway, uh, Mechizedek was considered a high priest, so Abram gave him a tenth of the plunder. And while he's giving him a tenth, this is why... You gotta really look into the scripture and be uh, uh, prescriptive when you read it, um, and not select. And what I mean by prescriptive, and maybe that's the wrong word, just just it, it be very uh, what's the word? Circumspect. Re- review it with with a, a eye for understanding, seeking to understand. But anyway, uh, while he talking to him. And said he said he had given him wine and some other things, and, and he accepted those things. And here come old Barah, and I, I hope I didn't get his name wrong. Um, you know, Bera coming, oh, I, he want to give him all of this. And Abram is telling him, I don't want nothing from you. I don't want to take nothing from you because I don't want nobody saying that uh, I received from you, my wealth or my riches. He, he believed what God said. He believed that God would restore him, that God will, would give, uh, and, and give him the land that he had promised him. So he didn't want anything from Sodom. And, and it makes me wonder, and I'm going to have to meditate on this, but it makes me wonder why did he receive even, you know, a little bit because it, it says clear as day, you know, that he gave him wine and, and, you know, just maybe to replenish him and his men, maybe some food or whatever. But uh, Abram told Beryl, he said, I don't even want the, the strands of, of uh, leather off of, your, <laughs> off of your sandals. In other words, I don't even want your shoestrings. That's how little I want from you. And that was amazing to me that uh, he took that position. But even more so that he came to protect his nephew. Uh, like I said, it just is reminiscent of some some guys I knew. <laughs> you know, my daddy. You know, me and I grew up with, you know, his friends. And uh, I didn't have a lot of uncles. But my father had a lot of male friends around us as we grew up. And we knew that we were protected. We were protected in the neighborhood. and And so, anyway... This story seems so relatable. I know you all know how it is in the hood. We don't play that. <laughs> you know, you find out you got my nephew and all his stuff. You, you giving it back. You going to come up off of him. But anyway, I'm not sure how far I got into that, but I just wanted to go back over those points. And then, you know, of course, we know uh, that Lot decided he wanted to stay he wanted to stay amongst all of that evil and mess and all of that, and and God had disclosed to Abram what he was deciding to do uh, with Sodom, and so I believe I picked that back up uh, in the next segment, but I just wanted to go over that piece in case I didn't do a, a good job. It's important that we learn. It's important that we learn and take our time in doing it, Amen. All right. Love you all. Let's get back to the study. As as we progress, God saw the wickedness. God saw the wickedness that was occurring in Sodom and Gomorrah. And, the, and it said that the cries of the people cries of the people from the suffering and the pain and all that they had gone through was 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 they were crying out to God God was hearing them so so God told Abram he said look I'm gonna go down there and destroy this city I' I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go see for myself what's going on but I'm gonna destroy the city and we know that later on God had sent the angels he had sent the angels to warned uh, Lot and his family to to leave because he was going to destroy them. And so Abram, you know, he tried to plead with God. He said, well, if you find 50, will you save them?" God said, okay, all right, but I already know it ain't going to be 50. But yeah, just for the sake of this conversation, if I find 50, I'll save them." He said, well, what about 40? And he kept coming back because he was so concerned about his nephew. Uh, being destroyed with the people that he wanted to uh, negotiate with God and he got all the way down I told you the to four I mean five or, or three people and then God said yeah you know if I can find that many I won't destroy it but we all know <laughs> and Abram knew what he was dealing with them folk were evil they were treacherous and so The Bible goes on to tell us that the angels went to warn Lot of the impending danger because of the love that God had from Abram and because of the covenant relationship he had with him. He considered Lot a righteous man. So he said, well, I'm going to I'm going to pull you out of this. And so the angels went to warn him. (laughs) So Lot. You know, he, he saw them in, in in the marketplace, in the opening, in the, in the um, what you call it? The meeting place of the city. I, the word is not coming to my mind. But he saw those angels. He said, well, why don't y'all just come to my house? And, and you know, because these people out here, y'all don't even know. They are very wicked. They'll try to do any and everything to you when, it, when the lights go out. <laughs> you know. So he said, come to my house. And so he brought them to his home. And when he brought them to his home, others had become aware, the men had become aware that they were there and that they were male and they wanted them, they desired them, they wanted to violate them, they wanted to murder them, to kill them, to rape them. And so Lot did something that was unthinkable. He said, look, don't take them. Don't take them. I'll give you my daughters. I'll sacrifice my daughters. By the way, they're virgins. So wouldn't you want a virgin more than a a man? So he he offered his daughters, and in our minds, as we were going through the Bible study, we were trying to ponder, like, why? Why would you do that? Why would you offer your daughters? And one of the things that came to my mind was, because of his knowledge of who God was maybe he recognized God in those angels. Maybe he saw that there was God in them and just like Abram sacrificed his son or was willing to sacrifice his son uh, Isaac similarly, Lot was willing to sacrifice his daughters for the sake of God. The other thing that that we pondered probably after the, the Bible study was that you know Maybe he was as smart as his uncle. You know, smart as a... uh, Crazy as a fox. (laughs) You know. Wise as a serpent. And maybe he offered his daughters because he knew that they wouldn't take them because they were homosexuals. What can they do with a woman? And in my mind, that still would have been wrong because why take the risk? And so the other thought was around maybe... Possibly, maybe he was just offering them up to buy them some time. Because he knew, you know, hey, you throw that in the mix, they don't want no women. That may confuse them a little bit. So we have some time to figure out a real plan. I don't know. I don't know what Lot was thinking. But I know he was off in something. Somehow his mind was off. But anyway, that brings us back to where we were, to where... The angels had visited their house, and they're telling—they're—they're they're telling him, "Look, we—we we know what's going on here. And these men brought that corruption and 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 chaos to the house. And here they are, beating down the door. Let them out. Let them out." And the angel said, "All right, I got—we got this. We got this." And they blinded the suckers. They blinded the men. They said. Y'all ain't going to be able to see nothing. So while they figuring stuff out, wallowing outside the door, trying to figure out how to get in, he told Lot, he said, look, we're going to destroy this land. We're going to destroy this city, and we want you and your family to get out. And so Lot, he took them serious enough that he went to his uh, future son-in-laws, and he said, look, they're they going to destroy this city. Y'all better come go with us. And they said, no, we, we don't want to go, haha ha oh man you crazy ain't nobody gonna destroy this city we having too much fun and if our flesh is feeling good how can it ever end and so he went back to you know uh or the angels came back to him like "All right, you you, you better hurry up come on we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go the thing that grabbed me in the story was that the angels had to grab Lot and his family and pull them out I done seen you blind these men, which denotes the power that you have. And you done told me, matter of factly, that you about to destroy this land. And you mean tell me you got to pull me out? No, I'm coming willingly. But anyway, they had to pull them out, which shows me that they were so attached. They were more attached to the things, the lifestyle, the, 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 the possessions, the the material things that they had gained, they were, they were prestigious people. Lot was obviously an official there in that city. He had made a name for himself. He had made a life for his family. And they didn't want to leave it. They didn't want to leave it. Even with all of the wickedness and evil attached to it, they did not want to leave it. So the angels had to drag them out of there. And so when they got out, the angels had instructed them. They said, just go, go, go. Go for the hills. Go for the cave. And do not look back. Don't look back. And here you got Mr. Lot. Sometimes smart folk, they too smart for their own good. He questioned them. Okay, well, I don't, listen. I don't really want to go to that cave. Because I don't know what's in there. Can I just go to... That city over there. That small city. And the angel said, Alright, go go ahead, have at it. And chew the form. This Joker went over to that small city and wound up having to go to the cave the cave anyway. So anyway, the angels told Lot that they were gonna destroy the city. They told him. Uh, to warn his family to leave before it was too late. Lot tried to warn his children. He tried to warn his his, fiance, his uh, daughter's fiancés. I, I don't know if they were the fiancés or if they were married. And finally, that the angel said, "Look, yeah, they laughing at you over there. But you are taking too long. Better to take them by hand and lead them out of the city along with his wife." And his two daughters. And he told him, he said, look, he said, run, but don't you look back. Do not look back. If you don't do nothing else, don't look back. But here we got Lot's wife. She had to look back. She had to look back. As God was raining down on fire on the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, they were completely destroyed and all of the people inside were killed. And the thing about it was, I believe that there were just and righteous people who died in that punishment as well because God hates sin. He hates sin. He will always punish sin. And it's always right for God to punish sin. And so God is a just God. God is a righteous God. And the punishment that he has bestowed upon the people because of their sin was just and righteous. Righteous. And so as they were running away, Lot's wife couldn't help herself. She couldn't turn away from the past. She had to see her past just one more time. She couldn't turn away from the sin and the evil and the brokenness and all of the chaos. She had to see her sin. All of her worldly possessions being destroyed, she had to look back. She didn't want to leave that wicked city. She preferred to be there rather than obeying God and the sad thing for her is that she did not believe God she didn't believe God she didn't believe the angels and sometimes we're like that too because we haven't suffered the consequences of our lives and we consider ourselves to be righteous well you know they out there having sex with men but I ain't having sex with men at least I'm just fornicating with my boyfriend we see ourselves as righteous. You know, they out there killing up each other and, and torturing and murdering each other. And I'm not doing nothing but just lying on my sibling. Lying on my brother or sister. <clears throat> my neighbor. I'm just still in here and there. I'm righteous. God won't, won't destroy me with everybody else because I'm righteous. <laughs> but we see that the, the fire of of heaven rained down on the just as well as the unjust and what I mean by just we know that this was an evil city but I believe I believe that there were some that were not as bad as the others and that that was of no consequence when the judgment came and his wife looked back and as punishment to her God turned her into a pillar of salt we were trying to figure things out on yesterday we said well what, what is this salt or well, not yesterday a couple of days ago we said what is this salt? Salt is a preservative it preserves things and during that time it it preserved <clears throat> things and so to me in my mind I said well maybe salt represented the preservation of the sin, the lust the, the desire to sin the desire of that light, that wickedness. Maybe it was the preservation of that dying and being cut away from the family. And then Mary made a good revelation. I'm telling you, that just blew my mind when she said it. She said, those who were of the bloodline, so Lot and his two daughters were from the bloodline of Abram <clears throat> because of his righteousness they were saved and the and the wife couldn't make it in. So we know that the Bible tells us that there was a fiery destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God uses that as a warning and an example for us of the punishment that that awaits us. Now, he said, I ain't going to ever flood the earth again to destroy it. He didn't say he wasn't going to ever destroy it through fire and brimstone. Lot, Lot was very sinful. But he believed in God. And God counted him as a righteous man. I believe he was counted as righteous because of his lineage and not because of his action. Because of his, his, the blood. Similarly, we are righteous through the blood of Jesus, the bloodline of Jesus. We are adopted sons and daughters. His sins were forgiven because he believed in the same promises that Abraham believed in. And so we know that he went into the cave and, and, and his daughters, because of their lack of understanding and knowledge, they thought the world had come to an end. And because they had lost their uh, spouses or, or significant others or whatever, I don't know. If that, it, it said they were virgins. And then it also says... Um, I don't know that it was their boyfriend. I mean, their husbands. I think it was still their boyfriends. But anyway, they thought that there was going to be nothing. No way for them to procreate. No other human civilization. And so they got their father drunk and they conceived with him. So a couple of things started going through my mind about it. It's like, how could they? But I realized because of their exposure since childhood, right, living in this land where they worshiped different idols and different gods and and had different traditions, they had exposure to certain things and then coming into Sodom and Gomorrah and, and witnessing and experiencing these things, these demonic things, these things that are against God's will, I can imagine that they had exposure to things that desensitize them to the principles of God. And so when I think about the fact that they had done this to their father, uh, we we were joking, and I said, oh, they date-raped their father. And it made me ponder. It made me ponder because the father was ready to give them up to these men earlier so that they can be raped? Were they returning the favor to the father, Say, hey, you want to know what it feel like? <laughs> you, you were about to give us up. You want to know what it feel like? And so they raped him. But the other thing that kind of bo- bothered me or burdened me about, uh, no, I mean, a lot, was now I can understand they done got you drunk, and they got you once they got you the first time right but how did they do it the second time that that I don't understand cause drunk or not you know people know what they did (laughs) and you had to be sober at some point to know what happened come on now and so you did it you let them do it a second time you know the daughters were wrong but lot was wrong Something was wrong with him in his head. But the thing that bothers me is I try to keep trying to reconcile that that righteousness. And I don't want to put more into the story. I'm just trying. I'm seeking to understand. So I believe that his righteousness was tied to the covenant that God had with Abram versus his actions or his behavior. Similarly, our righteousness is tied to the covenant, the relationship God has with himself through Christ Jesus and the blood that was shed on our behalf for our soul's salvation. So, but anyway, he wound up going to to this cave creating uh, the, the generation, I mean, the, the children who would produce the generation of the Amorites and the Moabites. And they became uh, enemies of the, Is- the children of Israel. So we try to do stuff on our own and we see the big old mess we make in the air. The thing that I think God wants us to take away from this story, especially around Sodom and Gomorrah, is that he never changes. God always will and always has hated sin. He hates sin. And he punishes sin. Now, God is patient with the sinner. He's very patient with us. He allows us time to repent and be forgiven. But his patience has limits. It's not everlasting And we know that in the fact that we have a a period of time on this earth that we live and then a time when it's over that we die. And if we don't reconcile our lives with Christ before that time, then we're going to die and go to hell. We have to be careful because Jesus warned us in in the New Testament that just like he destroyed those cities by fire in Sodom and Gomorrah, we're going to suffer the same fate in this world because of our wickedness. And that just like Lot's wife was so tied to the wickedness of this world and the the, the gains that they had received. That we ought not focus our affections and our attentions on the world, but focus our affection and attention on God. We don't need to preserve sin and evil and unrighteousness. We need to live a life that is consistent with God's will. And I slow down because while... Uh, Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt. That was her demise. That was how she died. That was how she c- ceased to exist because she was trying to preserve that sin. God has is using us as the salt of the world. The salt of the world to bring flavor and taste and, and promise into the earth. We should always love God and obey Him and believe Him. If if we don't learn nothing else from our forefathers, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it is important that we believe God. And if we believe Him, walk in uh, in accordance to His will. Because we know that every person who believes in God, he will be saved. He'll be saved when this wicked world is destroyed. So that was probably one of my longest <laughs> supplements, just as long as one of our Bible studies. But it was good. It was good. So I invite you to join us as we continue on, I think, next week. What are we talking about next week? I think we're going back to Abram and Abraham. Maybe maybe we learn about Isaac, I think. Uh, but anyway... We're going to continue in our study, and I invite you to join us, uh, and uh, we learn together. All right. All right. Well, love you all, and I pray that God blesses you immensely. Bye-bye.